0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 263 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Thursday, February 23rd, 2003. It is 6.30 p.m. 2003? Yep, 2003. We went back 20 (laughs) years, baby. Retro. (laughs) Whatever, man. I got the wet brain nowadays, so, you know, I say...
1: 2023. Say shit like that. 6 oh, now it's
0: 6:31 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. My name is Josh and I'm here with my co-host Mike. Mike, how you how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Uh I'm having a snow day from work today. That's so crazy, uh, dude.
0: It is 83 degrees over here in
1: Jacksonville. Not here. It's like 28 degrees and the snow is still out there and we're we're, we're, we're wondering if it's going to freeze tonight
0: and, my god. Uh i can't believe the, the the temperature extremes across the country
1: well, i mean that's climate change for you <laughs> like it's anyone who's like still a climate change denier but like, okay look at the average weather here in vancouver washington in the past couple of years and compare it to like 10 years ago it's drastically different it's, yeah and, uh, in washington it,
0: it, dc the uh they were saying how like the temperature today in Washington DC is it, it's only been this temperature four times in since the records of yeah. temperature keeping. And the cherry blossoms or whatever have uh-huh. bloomed like two weeks earlier than they're supposed to and yada yeah. yada yada.
1: The past the past couple years here in Vancouver, Washington, we've had record heat waves and then like delayed winters where all of a sudden like winter would just come in and then bam snowstorm in like february or snow in april Oh, so it's yeah yeah we had snow in april last year
0: man all this cold weather better have fucked off by like mid to late march or I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I mean, it, ha- it actually hasn't been cold the last... What like, cold week. weather?
1: It's like, you said it's 83 over there. Well,
0: yeah, it's been warm for like the last week or so, but there there were definitely like... Like last week, or last Saturday, I had a wedding that I did, and I was like freezing my balls off, and everyone's going to laugh at me, but it was, uh, I believe it was like 52 degrees, and Are I was... you fucking kidding was, me, I was, Josh? Shoot, I was freezing... <laughs> And, and, and like all the you other f- baby i know you
1: florida sun baby yeah well
0: <laughs> you come and fucking deal with 98 degree weathers oh ever- i
1: know that's awful too that's that's, that's, just that's the other i'm street.
0: comfortable in that well, i'm not comfortable but i'm like i can i can tolerate this and a lot of you you snowbirds from up north gonna come <laughs> down here and be like it's so fucking hot and I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I feel fine. But yeah, no, I am a bitch when it comes to the cold. Like I I keep my house at like 76 degrees, and like that's perfectly uh-huh. that's perfectly comfortable for me. Um sometimes it's a little too cold, so I have to turn it up a degree. Um But yeah, uh it's it's crazy. And like my friend was telling me uh through Snapchat, she was like saying that she got sun poisoning and and was, like, throwing up and this, that, and the other, which, which is essentially radiation poisoning, because that's what the sun gives off, is radiation. Uh-huh. And um I'm like, yeah, you know, back in the 70s, you wouldn't have gotten sun poisoning from being out in the sun because we had an ozone layer back then. Yep. And my dad would always regale me with tales of him being in his 20s and spending all day on the beach with no sunscreen and not getting uh-huh. sunburned or, or getting a little sun, but not, like, sun poisoning. Um so that's that's fucking fucking crazy. On another note, sure um, I went to uh, the reason why we're starting this podcast so late, not that it means anything to you listening, because by the time you hear this, it, you know, what what difference does that make? What time they started? But um, start a little later than what we wanted to. I think we're going to try to do it at like five. And now it is six thirty. I'm using my time because I'm too lazy to use Mike's fucking Pacific. It's thing.
1: like three thirty over here.
0: Yeah. But yeah, so now it's like an hour and a half later than where I wanted to start. But I had to take my van in the band van to get um, the oil changed, and the guys like, "Have you had your you know engine and cabin filters changed?" I'm gonna, you know, and I'm like, "No." He's like, "All right, I'll take a look at those." And uh, now, granted, I bought this band van in 2021, and we've used it. We've used it probably like uh, a dozen times at this point, you know, to play out of town shows. So we've gotten some use out of it. But um, I have not done any maintenance to this thing since buying it used. Um, It's a 2015, and I just kind of assumed everything had already been taken care of, you know, and... (laughs) Then I just realized that, like, man... That was the wrong idea. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) man, even though I don't drive this van every day, and we only drive it, really, if we're taking a long trip out of town, um, I was like, I should still probably get the oil changed since I've owned it for two years and haven't, you know, done that. So um, the funny thing, though, was when he pulled the um, cabin filter out from, like, where the glove box was at... And, dude, it had, like, leaves all over it and, like, all this oh. shit that just, like, fell out. And I, I'm like, damn, damn. dude. Damn. I can't believe, like, I've, like, you know, neglected it this long. Because, I mean, it smelled good in the cabin. It, did, it didn't smell, like, musty or anything. So, I mean, I don't it know. It sounds
1: like, like the start of, like, a, a sketch or something. You know, yeah, start, I know. You know like, working on the like, oil change. To
0: over-exaggerate how old a vehicle is. They, like, yeah. pull the air filter out and caught, like, w- spiders and snakes and leaves and shit fly out of it. Yeah. <laughs> there's 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 The the tires are going to need to be rotated. They start,
1: they start doing cleaning and then some old woman crawls out from the back seat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been 84 years.
0: <laughs> that'd be funny. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> get your oil changed and stay on top of your car because uh, nothing bad happened, thank God. But, uh, you know, yeah. something, especially with the oil situation, like that that could really completely fuck up your engine if you For don't sure. stay on top of Definitely. that. Which I did not. And I learned that synthetic oil you can get a lot more uh, miles out of with synthetic oil you can get yeah. about 7000 to 12000 miles out of it before you have to change it compared to normal oil which is like 3000 miles or whatever so
1: Also like if you deal with like random you know weather uh occurrences that are like extreme in nature then if you have to get out and do something uh, prior to all of that happening, because a lot of the time you know when there's going to be a winter storm, so if you keep up to date with the, you know, that kind of thing, then you don't have to risk an instance where, oh, I got to get some groceries and the winter storm is coming, and then, oh, and, uh, something's wrong with my car now and I can't use it,
0: you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Another completely different tangent, because we haven't had a little brick of chit-chat in a while, and I feel like these cases are going to be relatively short. Um, I was listening to the... I don't ra- know. Harold
1: and Thelma Swain has, like, a fucking essay almost, so I'm going to have to, like...
0: Oh, well, whatever. Condense I, I, some I, this is just something. I've been, it's just something that's been on my <laughs> mind, and I just haven't... I've forgotten to, like, tell anyone about it, but I keep hearing it on the okay. radio. So there's this commercial for this, like, jeweler or whatever... And he's like, yeah, come in and ask about our prices for natural and lab-made diamonds, and I'm like, record scratch, like, hold the phone. Did you just say lab-made diamonds? Yeah,
1: lab-made diamonds.
0: Uh, (laughs) If you can make diamonds in a laboratory, I think I would keep that my biggest secret and not tell anybody. I mean, doesn't that completely crash the value of a diamond if you can just make one?
1: Well, I mean, that's an interesting uh, uh, thought process, but I think it's just one of those things where it's perceived value. So there'll be a lot of people who will be like, okay, yeah, I don't care if it looks and feels and seems like a real diamond. It was made in the lab, so it's not a real diamond, so it's not going to have the same value. And then to the because consumer,
0: if, like, how, like, like, if you were a non-reputable jeweler, I mean, couldn't you just get a la- a bunch of lab-made diamonds and pass them off as real and, and charge? Because I, I assume... I don't know.
1: I mean, there might be something about them, at least at this point, they're not to the point where it's the same as the real thing.
0: That's like if anybody could print money, eventually money would become worthless. I mean, it's already worthless. Our Our money is worthless, but... Because it's not, it's, it hasn't been on the gold standard in like twenty years, but or or probably longer actually, um, probably like fifty years. Um, but like, if anybody could just kind of like, and it was authorized, you know, like you could print your own money or whatever. Well, that would
1: never happen. It would never, never, it would never be authorized. So that's that's the difference. Well, that. that's what I'm
0: saying. Like like, if these jewelers, all these different jewelers, can gain access to to lab made diamonds, then I just feel like diamonds are now not special because the thing about diamonds are they're hard to get so that's why they encase them in the gold band and show it off cuz it's like look at this thing that's really rare and now well, there's
1: cert- it depends on the diamond there are certain diamonds that aren't really as hard to get as others so i don't think that would really change with the lab made diamonds being thrown in there because there's certain uh formation processes that happen with certain diamonds that make them more desirable and more uh uh profitable or i'm not gonna,
0: I'm not gonna lie to you i think the whole makes diamond,
1: worth higher
0: the whole diamond and gold and jewelry in general and like i think all that shit's so stupid if i ever got gate like got money in some way yeah. you know like I, I wouldn't spend a fucking penny of it on like blank. i wouldn't either
1: like it's like here, rappers and shit who ice yeah. themselves out it's like bro yeah.
0: you're stupid
1: it's i mean like- it's their money they could do whatever they want with it um but i'm more curious about amazon now getting into pharmacy like how is that gonna affect the industry because Amazon is now rolling out their own RX thing, fucking sick. Now I can service. just go,
0: go order Klonopin when I run out before my prescription uh, to renew. I, I, I know that's what I'm up.
1: saying. I think that's get that's going to be a much bigger uh, shift than you know lab made diamonds. Because a lot of people are just be like, oh, you know, I don't want a lab made diamond. It's fake. You know, they're still gonna ha- they're gonna have that thought in their head. But with drugs, it's like they don't really care. It's like <laughs> whatever.
0: Um. If I give it if I give a if I give a woman a ring and it looks, you know, pretty and you know, it looks expensive and uh-huh. then she later comes to find out that it's lab made and she has any kind of problem with that, then I'll know that I picked the wrong woman cuz it's like <laughs> that is like the most shallow. Oh I my god, you didn't get the real one and pay all this extra money for it even though it looks exactly the same as this one. Like uh-huh. what a shallow bitch.
1: Yeah. Anyway, yeah. let's get into some but some mysteries. The Amazon here. thing also, like, like I get getting into drugs and whatever. You know that that's a that's a new profitable venture for them. But I'm just wondering if they might be opening themselves up to potential lawsuits when people don't get their meds in time. You know, if there's some kind of delay in, in the shipment, or what about extra security? You know, in terms of people, you know. Who work I mean, for Amazon
0: Amazon taking Prime pills is, and sell them on the side. Amazon Prime is pretty on point with, uh, you know, it is. But I got
1: a, I got like three Blu rays that I ordered like two days ago, and I understand why they're not here because it's a snow that there's a snowstorm outside. But imagine if it was like drugs, like that's a completely different situation for me. Um, but no, nothing could save uh, Harold and, and Thelma Swain, sadly, um, because oh, good, good uh, they, they perished uh, tragically. Damn, um, this
0: is an essay. Fuck! Holy It is, it's a long one. <laughs> <I> <laughs> so under- this
1: is a case from season one, actually, the first season of Unsolved Mysteries. I was really shocked we hadn't covered this already. Because it has a lot of the elements that we like about, you know, prime unsolved mysteries. And uh, as you can see, there's like a lot of extra information, which I'm going to try my best to just condense down. Yeah, what's what's crazy is
0: like I watched the segment and I'm like, I can sum this up in like uh, two sentences. Like, Mm -hmm. small town church in a black community, random white guy shows up in the vestibule, murders the wife and husband. And was well,
1: oh, oh all right. Go ahead and do my job then. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and, and and no one no, no one knew who did it for a long time, and then they found out.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: I'm just saying. Like I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm interested to hear how they managed to like okay spread this out into so many fucking paragraphs. Good lord. Now,
1: I like I, I I can understand why there's some extra stuff to it because it is such a brutal. And just unexpected, just crazy murder to me, uh, because of the fact that it's you know these two people, you know these two African American, uh, uh, people who are you know at church, and then some guy comes in and just guns them down, and they and then he doesn't even take the money either. He just he just kills them.
0: Almost like that little so, mu- that, that mushroom-headed little bastard, uh. I forgot his name, uh, who, who went into that, that all black church and. Oh yeah. Was it, was it Dylan Roof? I think his name was or maybe something, yeah. something like that. And he just like, and and you know, they took him in and with kindness and all that, even though he was like a white kid, they didn't, you mm-hmm. know, discriminate. And, uh, you know, he shot, shot up the fucking church, you know? White people so, can do some evil shit sometimes For racial reasons
1: Yeah, sometimes we really do suck <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so then so- 66- sometimes uh, Specifically me and Mike suck for, But for way less uh, Severe yeah. reasons
1: Yeah uh, 66 <laughs> uh, year old Harold Swain Was a well-respected deacon Of the Rising Daughters Baptist Church In Waverly, Georgia He was a retired pulpwood worker a handyman, a volunteer fireman, a member of the county jury commission, and a spokesperson for the black community. His 63-year-old wife, Thelma, was also closely involved with church affairs. She was a devoted wife and surrogate mother to their niece, Lafon uh, Kite, whom they raised from infancy. They had been married for over 43 years. They were described as an exemplary couple, well-liked by members of the community, uh, Lafayne Lefay- says they were gentle people who liked the fish, garden, and participate in church activities. They lived at a ranch-style house not far from the church. And yeah, the interviews they have with people in the town, you can just tell how much uh, the Swains meant to-, to them. Yeah. Like, they were good people. They would go out of their way to help others. That- that's what makes it even more tragic, is because they were... Like, legitimately good people. They were humanitarians. It's not just that they were innocent, it's that they did good things for others. And then something just heinous and horrible like this ended their lives. So, Waverly is a population of 825. It's a predominantly a black community nestled in the Baptist Bible Belt. Uh, Lumber farming and the paper mill provide the income for this small isolated area of over 30 miles uh, that it is over 30 miles uh, from the nearest big city, Jacksonville.
0: Yay, my city! Got a shout out in Unsolved
1: Mysteries. So for years, Rising Daughters Baptist Church has not served. Uh, has served not only as a peace- place of worship, but also as a social center for the small township. But on Monday of March 11th, 1985, this quiet community was shattered by violence. The quiet sanctity of the church was violated when Harold and Thelma were brutally murdered there. And since it's season one on Cell Mysteries, uh, they get away with a, a fair amount in terms of showing the blood, you know, showing the corpses on the ground with like blood everywhere. Um,. And also, since it's early Unsolved Mysteries, like, the atmosphere and the mood is really effective.
0: Yeah, no, I feel you. They, and it's it's super, like, uh, hazy and foggy, like, the atmosphere, which they did that a lot in the first, like, three seasons. Just, you know, uh-huh. the, the, the the very atmosphere that kind of, like, slowly disappeared as, like, the show yes. changed hands and changed It became the
1: less and less cinematic and... What I, what I mean by cinematic is like the shots of the the, the killer who's stalking uh, the the outside of the church like that's shot in a way that's like something straight out of like an 80s or late 70s slasher film you know like John Carpenter's Halloween uh, I'm expecting Michael Myers to pop up out of the corner <laughs> with a knife you know that kind of thing um, and that that's very effective it makes it all the more chilling. And it is a very chilling thing anyway. It's just, it's just a brutal act of violence. It seems like it was just random or if it was premeditated, uh, it's pretty likely that there was something, uh, to deal with the race of, of these individuals, sadly. Uh, it seems like it easily could have been a hate crime. Um. So, yeah, Harold's brother, Robert, recalls that he was always happy, jolly, and lo- laughing. Uh, those things uh, ca- came naturally to him because of his love and kindness for everyone, and he's talking about uh, his his brother, Harold. Why do all those... Uh, not, why not Why himself. is it always
0: those people who get murdered, you know? It's always like the... It's like... Whenever you, like, especially watch this show, it's always the most likable uh-huh. people. Like, oh, everybody loved this person. Not a single yeah. per- person had a problem with them. It's never like, like, if someone murdered me, like, y- you know, you-, you could definitely find someone out there who was like, uh, yeah, he looked like he was pissed off all the time at his gigs. Um, He's kind of a dick. Uh, he didn't really <laughs> help anybody. He was kind of a selfish dude. Um. I'm not saying I'm glad he's dead, but I understand why he's dead. Like, there's, nev- <laughs> there's never anybody like that. It's always, like, they were like Mother Teresa on crack. I mean, they were, like, uh-huh. the most amazing person, knitted uh, blankets for homeless people and handed them out in the cold. You know, it's like, these are always the people who get murdered on Mysteries.
1: Uh-huh. So... <laughs> Yeah, he would always go out of his way to help someone at any time. If someone needed a favor and he was able to do it, he would do it. I mean, it even ties into people who, like, die uh, young, like certain celebrities. Like, some of, like, the nicest, just sweetest people, you know, they are not around anymore. John Like Candy. Robin Williams. John Candy. That's the first, you know, that, that's one of the first ones that comes to mind along with Robin Williams. Because John Candy would actually do a lot of this stuff. Like, he would go out of his way to help others. You know, oh, you got a flat tire? I'll help you. You know, you need a place to stay? I'll let you you stay at my place. You know, Candy was that type of person. And we have, like, celebrities or real pieces of shit, like Harvey Weinstein, that are still around. But we don't have John Candy. You know, that kind of thing.
0: Well, at least we still have Steve Buscemi. Because he's like a volunteer yeah. firefighter, and he's just That's an awesome. overall good dude. And a good actor.
1: So, uh, Harold's friend, Steve Roll, uh he says that the amount of people at that funeral was the most he had ever seen. He says that it showed how much everyone thought about and respected them. Uh, because Thelma was also the same way about helping others. It wasn't just Robert doing all the work. At 7 p.m. on the night that they were murdered, Harold and Thelma held their weekly Monday night Bible class at the church. Nine women from several area churches attended. At 8.50 p.m., one of the women, Vonzola Williams, excused herself early to go pick up her daughter from work. And as she entered the church vestibule, she encountered a man leaning against the wall. She asked if she could help him, and he said that he needed to talk to somebody. And when she asked who he needed to talk to, he said, somebody in there. They opened the doors of the church, and the man pointed at Harold and said, I want to talk to him.
0: And I'm, I'm the reen- curious, like in the reenactment, like I'm always curious, like, do they consult like these these eyewitnesses to like to to get like an approximation of like what this person actually said and what and all that, or do they just like make up a script of like this is what bad guy number one said to lady in vestibule, you know, like I'm always uh-huh. curious
1: about that. It, it just depends on the information that they're given. Probably sometimes they probably had to make it up. Other times they they had actual uh uh info that was given to them by the witnesses um the reenactment though here <laughs> yeah the actor that they chose to play the guy the mysterious guy in the church uh or the killer uh not the best performer and then on top of that he's wearing this clearly obvious wig um it almost it almost looked like you know Garth from Wayne's yeah, World but yeah. like if he was old You're like, if his hair actually did go gray, you know, that kind of thing. I didn't
0: think the acting was that bad. I mean, he had had so few lines, it was kind of hard to fuck it up.
1: Maybe it was just the appearance that was just laughable to me that might have been it
0: i, I felt it like
1: necessarily the performance
0: i felt like he was uh, a pretty menacing uh i mean they did the whole like god he's in the shadows and then he appeared well they
1: and, did a good job with that yeah. but like when he opens his mouth and you see him wearing what is obviously a fake wig it just kind of takes you out of it a little bit i don't know
0: i bought it i i haven't seen as many bad b movies as you have so i i was just like oh it looks fine to me it looks like a scary oh, okay. dude
1: uh so but i mean hey you know if you did see someone like you know wearing some you know fake wig or maybe because like that would be kind of scary because it'd be like well you know this guy's up to no good
0: maybe it's because i've done so much karaoke gigs in like the artsy like hipster weirdo district Uh, of of jacksonville i'm just used to seeing people who look like they're wearing wigs you know and i'm just Uh like desensitized to it That could be it. So,
1: uh, Vanzola went back into the church and told Harold about the man. Some of the other women in the group caught just a glimpse of him as he stood in the doorway. None of them recognized him. Harold followed Vanzola out into the vestibule and met with the man. As she left the church, she heard the two men talking. Just seconds later, the man pulled out a gun. Harold tried to wrestle the weapon from him. However, the man shot him four times, three times in the chest and once in the back of the head. Jesus. Thelma then ran out to the vestibule, and then she was shot once in the upper chest area. Uh, One woman from the class corps, Fisher, fainted when she witnessed the shooting. Some of the women hid behind pews. Others rushed into the kitchen in the pastor's office and tried to call for help. Uh, The reenactment uh, excelled in this moment, you know, during the shooting and then afterwards, dealing with the tension and the suspense you know they're all hiding and, and you know, wondering what's gonna happen next and of course the music also helps immensely as well when it comes to the quality of the reenactment uh, really does a good job putting you in 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 the the, the shoes of of these witnesses
0: Yeah because it's like that would be
1: scary that'd yo, be terrifying.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely I mean like how long do I stay in this like back area? you know because like my thinking i'm kind of a paranoid person as it is i'm like this dude's just waiting for us to come out so he can kill all the witnesses yep you know like how do you even know when to when you can safely exit you know it's like a psychological like terror exactly
1: uh so 20 minutes passed while the women waited in fear Finally, one of them, Marjorie Moore, armed herself with a broom and made a dash for her car. They didn't show that in the No, they didn't.
0: Uh, I wish, wish they had.
1: Well, I don't have. There's no gun. We don't have a gun. It's a church. We don't have a gun the church. And I'm an old lady, but,
0: but you know what? I'm gonna bop one I'm gonna bop them good with this <laughs> this broom. I'll teach him. I'm gonna
1: sweep uh, the dirt up and.
0: Toss S- him in the trash. Sweep the dirt out of his heart.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a tagline for some like uh, Hallmark romantic comedy or whatever. He's she an old. He's a cummerg-
0: He's a curmudgeonly alcoholic. She's a church-going cr- cr- Christian who cleans on the weekends. This summer, watches Eileen sweeps the dirt out of his heart in the Hallmark <laughs> original special. Uh, Swiffer Man, I don't know. <laughs> uh,
1: that's really not that far off, uh, to be honest. When it comes to a lot of uh, Hallmark movies.
0: And by the way, the the alcoholic in that story—that was me that I was referring to.
1: <laughs> who's who's the 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 cleaning? You know, who's the Casey from the from the, the, from the Josh Flower
0: lady? from the Josh Flower Diaries? Oh, okay, Ka- duh, of course it's Casey. Shout out to you, Casey. I tried to add you on Facebook, and uh, you accepted my friend request, and uh, I said, hey, long time no see, then you blocked me, hey. <laughs> wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, was a little little modern update there. Yeah, after doing the Josh Flower diaries, like, for so long, I was like, yeah, I'm going to reach back out to her and just see how life's been treating her, you know, and, like, uh, yeah, she she, like... I saw that she was with some dude, and the guy was ugly as fucking sin. I, she could do so much fucking better. I don't know what she's thinking, but uh, maybe maybe it's not all about looks, Josh. Maybe maybe she's not a shallow fuck like you. Yeah, okay, good point, good point. That's that's true. But uh, yeah, I tried having a conversation with her, and uh, she she blocked me. So I guess so. It was, all guess you it,
1: did, all you said, was "What's up? How on, are you doing?" And then she blocked you immediately after
0: that. Let me pull this up for accuracy here, because I don't want to. I don't want to leave anything out of this this juicy little th- piece of whatever the fuck. <laughs> okay, okay, that's what I said. Oh, gee willikers, it's been a couple minutes since the last time I seen slash talked to you. Now, she did block me, but I guess she's unblocked me. Um, but she never... Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, she never responded. She n- lives in Tampa now.
1: So she's still technically ghosting you although yeah. she unblocked you.
0: Yeah, and and on top of that it says sent. So that means that she hasn't even like yeah. seen it. But but girls yeah. do girls will do this thing that I've noticed where they'll totally read there's a way you can read it without actually opening the message and if they just if they don't want to you know if they don't want you to see that they saw it, they'll just never open the message. But my OCD uh-huh. is so bad that I have to open all of my messages so I don't have that little red yeah. notification bubble. Yeah. Um, So I could never do that, but God, she's still fucking gorgeous. I knew, I knew she would become a hot adult as well. Um, (laughs) Anyway, got off track there. But yeah, that's my, uh, in the Hallmark movie, that's, that's the uh, girl who's going to sweep the dirt from my heart.
1: So uh, Marjorie, uh, the one that armed herself with a broom, uh, she made a dash for her car. She then noticed an unfamiliar vehicle in the parking lot and then left she then went to a nearby convenience store to summon help. Sadly, it was too late. Harold and Thelma were dead. That night, the Georgia Borough investigation was brought in, and a massive manhunt started in this tiny community. Harold and Thelma were personal friends of the Camden County Sheriff uh, Bill Smith and his family. It was a shock to him that they had been murdered. This is a great example of, you know, uh, an older white guy in in the South who was very progressive and wasn't a racist Piece of shit, like, you know, other people might have been around that time. So it was kind of nice to see that, you know, where that, you know, he had Bill Smith and, you know, he, he it was a shock to him that, to be, that they had been murdered. And he, he made it a personal mission of his to try to find out who killed them because uh, he, he, he really had a good connection with them uh, along with the rest of his family. And he just respected them a lot for what they did for the the community. So, uh, he says that when he arrived at the scene, there was a lot of confusion. No one really knew what happened. They did not know what the facts were or who had done the killing. They also did not know what the motive was. According to a uh, GBI agent, because I guess apparently, you know, they have their own bureau of investigations. So, I guess the, the Georgia... So Georgia's special. They don't, they don't have the FBI, they have the GBI.
0: I, I believe every state has their own Bureau of Investigation. Oh, okay. But that leads. That begs the question, what is Florida's Bureau of Investigation called? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, FLBI? I don't know.
1: <laughs> um, so Harold and Thelma were highly respected people, very active in the community. They did not appear to be the type of people who would be victims of a murder plot. Harold and Thelma were found lying on their backs in pools of blood in the vestibule. No blood samples were taken. It was assumed that all of the blood belonged to them. Now, the church that they shot this reenactment at, I don't think it was the same church. I think it might have actually been the same church that they blew up in the, you know, the, the, the Miracle Church segment.
0: Yeah. Miracle. Because it looked
1: all—it it lo- looked—it like the exact same church to me. And it kind of makes sense. You just reuse that set... For as many times
0: as you could,
1: I, uh, until you knew I, that you had to blow it up with dynamite.
0: I I, I consider that one of the uh, you know stupid stupider segments on Unsolved Mysteries. Yeah. So I, I haven't seen yeah. the, the Miracle Church uh, in, in in a while, so I, I couldn't I couldn't remember. You know, I you know you the it, one
1: where the the girls were supposedly given uh, vision from God. Yeah, no, or, I totally remember not. the
0: episode. And like for yeah. some re- for some reason, they were all they all happened to be late, you know, uh-huh. for whatever reason. And then the church blows up, and it's yeah. like, wow, that's you know, it w- must have been. And again Christian logic it must have been God giving us a, a, a sign but then in in my logic I'm like well couldn't have God just not blown up your church to begin with you know the place where you <laughs> worship him the thing that he tells you to do and now he's just gonna blow it up is God just this like sick fuck in the, in the clouds just being like I'm gonna tell him to worship me and I'm gonna fuck up the church and then I'm gonna tell him <laughs> about it and hopefully no one shows up <laughs> like God's like the joker in like the Dark <clears throat> uh Yeah, that's know. right. Piss off some of our Christian listeners, why not? But <laughs> Old Testament Christ- God was probably Christ- like that. Christ- Old Testament
1: God was definitely like the Joker, messing with people. Like that's not really that far off.
0: I don't know. I just like that's that's just Christian logic. Sometimes just like bef- befa- befuddles but, me. But they
1: would just but they would just be like, no, that was Satan. Yeah. Which, you know, whatever. So, uh, yeah, Harold and Thelma were found dead. Uh, there, were a lot of, there was a lot of physical evidence found at the scene, including five bullet casings, five blue plastic shirt buttons, two Pepsi bottles. I guess the, the killer liked Pepsi. Uh, smudged a vestibule mirror, four pieces of cut telephone line, the telephone box, uh, which had smudges or fingerprints on it, and two pairs of glasses. One pair of glasses is determined to belong to Harold. But they were unable to determine the other pair, which were metal safety glasses. And there's actually a cool scene in the, in this uh, segment where Robert Stack brings out the actual glasses, you know, from the evidence uh, locker, and then and then he you know shows them on camera and and talks about uh, their mysteriousness of like who had these glasses
0: i believe it was a perhaps it's you podcast where they were they were making the mm-hmm. observation of like they're like i love how on the show how they always let robert stack just handle the evidence with his bare hands <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just getting his fingerprints on it and all that but but surely surely at that point they must have already gotten everything they were gonna get from that piece of evidence yeah. before they let stack yeah. handle it that would be funny, they're like, though.
1: This guy, this guy, they're like, this guy's Elliot Ness. He'll just he'll just find a way to solve the case. Yeah, exactly.
0: That, yeah, that would be funny, though, if they're like, oh, shit. We, we didn't think about the fact that he just got his... Uh, <laughs> or, or 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 the police go and they're like, you know what? We got all these pieces of evidence in the evidence room, and there's one common denominator. Robert Stack. He killed all these people. <laughs> Robert Stack's been fucking murdering everybody. His fingerprints are everywhere. Like that would be funny. Um and nobody so would that, disbelieve it either. If, if if Robert Stack was ever accused of a murder, nobody would disbelieve that. Like they'd be like, "Yeah, that's completely within reason." <laughs> uh I don't know about that. I think a
1: lot of people would be like, "What?" They'd be totally shocked.
0: 100%. Uh, I don't know. Um, We should do a poll in our group and be like, would you be shocked if you found out Robert Stack committed a homicide? Yes or no? That would be a fun one.
1: So, uh, Agent Gregory's gut reaction was that the killer was a transient. He says the glasses appeared to belong to a person who did not have enough money to properly maintain their glasses or buy ones when they needed them. He believes that they were modified by the person for their use. Yeah, because that actually is a thing people will like find glasses in the garbage or whatever or or, you know or have the same pair forever um and sometimes though those people aren't necessarily transients they just they just you know they're they're not doing amazing in terms of their finances and so they don't necessarily want to you know
0: you you buy a new pair
1: of glasses every two years sounds
0: like this is hitting you a little close to home as a glasses wearer mike
1: well, I mean, in some 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 ways it kind of does, because there are some people, like, they, they aren't, like, homeless or anything, but they still have, like, they've had the same pair of glasses for a while. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're a transient. Like, that's a little,
0: <laughs> I, I that is a little how, much. I love how this is hitting close to home with you. It's like, you know, just because the glasses were kind of shitty, that doesn't mean that they are like, homeless, you know, like as you're wearing your shitty glasses.
1: They're not really my glasses aren't really that way. Like they're not the same as like the ones that were shown here or, like covered in, you know, dust and you know one one uh one of the uh the what the hell is the name for it? The th- the thing that goes behind your ear. I forgot the name of the fucking thing.
0: That is a name. Um, I just thought it was called like the glass the glasses leg or something.
1: Yeah, they they do have a name.
0: I know and, lanyard. I know what that is.
1: Yeah, so one of them is replaced you know uh, you know with some piece of metal or whatever you know that kind of thing it does remind me of when i got hit by the car and i and my glasses were broken and i didn't have anything because i didn't have any of like the spare glasses that i had i at least i wasn't able to locate them right away so i had this like jerry-rigged like just awful fucking if you want to talk about ugly like shitty looking glasses It was, like, some of these old, like, glasses that my my mom had from, like, the Navy or some lenses. And then we, like, jerry-rigged some shit with, like, some wire or, like, a, a, like, shoelace string or something. It was terrible. It was awful. I I looked like a a total goober. Um,
0: (laughs) That sucks.
1: Yeah, so uh the glasses they were not ordinary ones apparently. The lenses are thick, with the surface pocked by a welding torch. The earpieces do not match. Let's see. Earpieces, there we go. The right one was wrapped with tape. They appeared to have been assembled from parts of two or three separate pairs of glasses. They would have been worn by someone extremely far sighted with an astigmatism in the right eye. Transmission fluid residue was found on them. Uh and the question is were they dropped by the killer? Um, that's also the kind of thing that for some people who do, like, cosplay and shit, they want to look like they're from the game Fallout. That would have been, like, perfect. Yeah. The fucking glasses that look like they were made in the apocalypse. Uh, when the police discovered the glasses, they investigated the theory the killer may have been a transient. Uh Uh-huh. The church was located on a busy highway. Transients would often stop by for a handout or a free meal. Motorists would also stop there to ask for gas money. But if robbery is the motive, why was there over $300 left in Harold's wallet? Exactly. Like what I was saying earlier, like the killer left the money. So I don't buy that it was a robbery.
0: Well, yeah, they've, they pretty much
1: established that. And that makes it me not buy the transient theory because what, what would it be other than just, uh, I, you know, uh, I'm just going to kill these people. I, I, I don't, I, I don't really understand the the thought process behind the transient thing in in that instance the telephone lines had also been cut that shows that there might be some premeditation there because they went the extra mile and cut the telephone lines um but that could I mean, have also it, happened during a robbery
0: definitely could have been a be hate fair.
1: crime you know yeah that's what I'm saying like it, there there's definitely a possibility of that. Uh, Vanzola, the woman who left the church early that night, clearly saw the killer. She said that he was calm. She thought he was there for a handout. She did, she did not think he was there to hurt anyone. She did not see a weapon or anything on him. Well, to be fair, like, is he actually going to be walking into the church with a gun in one hand? You know? <laughs> I mean, some people will be like that, but... They, they, a lot of criminals, they're not, they're not like, oh, just, they're not lackadais- lackadaisical... You know, just a laissez-faire kind of attitude about, you know, whatever crime they're going to commit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was bottling it up inside.
1: Yeah, probably because he, you know, drank too many Pepsis. I don't know.
0: Uh, <laughs> Instead of Coke. If he had drank Coke, yeah. he would have never done any of that. <laughs> as a coke drinker i can tell you that the, it's yeah if he did
1: coke zero right if coke well, check, zero was a well, thing back then. H- hey
0: how many black churches have i shot up zero <laughs> do i drink coke yes i do now some uh, may call some may call this a false equivalency but uh i don't i i, I say it's facts
1: josh is clearly joking for anyone who who doesn't doesn't get it, and might be, clear, um, and
0: might be clearly drunk as well.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: not. Um, I will be though tonight.
1: Oh yeah, for that, sure. That, that in order to get through night, some, of, get through some of those uh, uh, bad karaoke renditions. Oh right?
0: Jesus! Don't remind me of my reality in the next few hours. <laughs> so uh, she thought the guy wasn't really that much of
1: a threat. She noticed he was wearing scuffed boots. Was a young white man. He had long, shoulder-length blonde hair. Although it doesn't look blonde in the reenactment, it looks like he's got just gray hair. Uh, the police attempted to create a picture of the killer using an identikit, but the eyewitnesses did not agree on many of the details. An artist was brought in to sketch a composite drawing. The composite drawing looks like a hair metal <laughs> band member. It really does, with like the the hair and all that other shit. Um finally on july fifth, nineteen eighty five, police one hundred and thirty five miles away in Telfair County, Georgia, pulled over a car for a minor traffic violation in the trunk. They found an automatic weapon and a submachine gun. Damn. Uh, three suspects were taken into custody. One of them was Donnie Barentine. Uh acquaintances of the suspects told Agent Gregory that Barentine had told them and other people in Florida that he had murdered a black preacher and his wife in a church. After several interviews with Barentine, he admitted that he had told these people that he had killed a black preacher and his wife. He then smiled and said, but I was lying to them. Like, what kind of fucking asshole are you? Like, dude. It's all smug and shit about it, but, but I was lying to him, officer. Like, uh, you know. Because I'm a racist piece of shit. Uh, i swear it's like florida
0: florida is like the black hole like like florida is the event horizon and then everything that surrounds florida we're just like (laughs) sucking all the pieces of shit closer to florida and Uh it's like like the closer you get to florida the shittier and shittier people and things get
1: people joking about brutally murdering a, a, a black couple in a church like i was just kidding officer
0: like I swear to God, I I like roll my I have to roll my fucking eyes and, and be like, "Yep, anytime I I'm watching something and it's like, yeah, they 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 like say that they're doing an interview or a documentary about some shitty person, "Yeah, they were raised in, you know, Fort Myers, Florida or Tampa, Florida or, you know, wherever." <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, of course." And uh <laughs> this is on the other side of that coin uh anytime i'm watching porn and they're doing one of those things where they're like talking to the girl before they fuck or whatever they're like so where are you originally from um i'm from orlando florida and i'm like oh they're all from florida (laughs) what the fuck is there something in the water like i don't know (laughs) is the is the bermuda Bermuda triangle like rubbing off on us
1: you have instances in unsolved mysteries where the killer moves to Florida. Yes, they, yep. like nothing bad, nothing happened prior to them going to Florida, and then something bad happens, or they move to Florida, or they 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 are, are a fugitive and then they they hide in Florida. So it's everything; it's all different types of things. Bill Burr you know, uh, put
0: it put it best about Florida. He said, "Florida is a, a sunny place for shady people."
1: <laughs> <laughs> that that is very accurate. Um so Agent Gregory says that they have never been able to come up with any hard evidence to connect Barentine to the murders. After the interviews, Barrentine was given a polygraph test, he apparently failed it. And uh the polygraph operator told Sheriff Smith that Barentine was a good suspect. The resemblance between the man on the wanted poster and Barentine was inconclusive. They even had some eyewitnesses from the church uh do a identification thing where they go in and look at some guys in a police lineup. Uh Vanzola was one of them. She says she didn't recognize any of them. Um one of them was Barentine, but he didn't ring a bell, so then the murder charges against Barentine were not pursued. But he was still convicted on weapons charges and sentenced to five years in federal prison because he was a dumbass and had <laughs> You know, a semi-automatic rifle, or like uh, all this other shit, in his trunk. Uh, one year later, the murder investigation took a new direction. Agent Gregory came across a face in a state crime bulletin, which exactly matched the identikit p- picture created by one of the witnesses. He says that it gave him a chill when he saw the composite because of the exact because of its exact match to the one made by the witnesses. And yeah, it was pretty chilling. And <laughs> the the other composite just had glasses. So that made the Garth thing even more uh, of a connection for me because I was the, the guy with the long stringy blonde hair and skinny. He's got the, the 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 black glasses. I'm like, what the fuck is Garth doing?
0: So I'm looking at this. <laughs> like, what listen, happened? I'm looking at this composite here. The suspects. They got the little the the four cell kind of thing where it's got the four sketches. Mm-hmm. And why? Okay, in the upper left corner, we got Nick Jonas. In, <laughs> yeah. in the upper right corner, we got, like, John Travolta circa, like, 1970. Uh-huh. In, in the lower left hand corner, we got Garth. And <laughs> in the lower right-hand corner, we got, like, Jim Belushi. Like, it's really weird. I, I,
1: don't, I don't know about Jim Belushi. Like, he looks more like, uh, you know, a current, like, TikTok influencer or some shit.
0: I don't know. Um, but... <laughs> That's, yeah, definitely there Nick is a- jo- that's definitely Nick Jonas in the upper left, though. <laughs> that
1: is Nick Jonas.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. He had that song talking about I still get jealous, talking about puffing out his chest and shit. So, uh-huh. you know, maybe he does have some violent tendencies, even <laughs> though this probably happened before he was born. But anyway, those are just semantics.
1: Uh, so, uh, the suspect in the bulletin was wanted for burglarizing several churches in Kansas... He had also asked for some gas money from a priest at one of the churches. He was never taken into into custody. And then the agent Gregory, he talked to the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, the KBI, and they were all like, we don't have a name. We don't have anything. And it was like, okay, well, that was fucking pointless then. Uh, Years later, the brutal murders of Harold and Thelma Swain remain a mystery. Were they just random killings committed by a violent transient? Or were they a planned and premeditated murder? And if so... Why? Agent Gregory says everything that night pointed to a transient attempting to pull a robbery. Sheriff Smith, however, believes otherwise. Thinks that somebody intended to murder Harold that night uh, because of the things that I pointed out numerous times already. The killer did not take any money. The killer searched it for and cut the phone lines. The killer singled out one person in the church, brought him to the vestibule, and then shot him several times. Because he didn't just shoot him like once, he shot him three times. One of them one of those bullets wound up in his head. Um, and there's a lot of other like suspects that are apparently uh, in the case. Uh, it was featured on a couple other podcasts, including The Trail
0: Went Cold, this case. Um, Man, I'm tired of fucking Unsolved Wikia giving love to Trail Went Cold. Robin Warder said we were supposed to be on his podcast years ago, and he's never had us on there. So... <laughs> Screw him. Just kidding. You're a nice guy, Robin, but you, 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 you totally <laughs> reneged on on the deal, bro. <laughs> uh,
1: so th- th- it's still unresolved. In July of 1998, uh, Sheriff Smith got clearance to spend $40,000 and recover drug money to hire a full-time investigator, Sergeant Dale Bundy, to work solely on the case. Sergeant Bundy, I'm just thinking of Al Bundy for some reason, which is, would. <laughs> just imagine fucking Al Bundy murdered with children. Hey, I gotta talk to your a, uh,
0: pastor in there. Uh, where is he? Hey, fella, how's it going? Bang, bang, bang! <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, Sergeant Bundy discovered that many of the witnesses had not been interviewed since the murders. He decided to re-interview them. When talking to Cora, one of the church witnesses, he learned that someone had shown her a photograph of a man about seven years after the murders. She froze up when she saw that picture and said the man was the killer. She was afraid to identify him, but said that his grandfather lived near the intersection of Spring Bluff Road and Dover Bluff Road. Based on this information, Sergeant Bundy believed that she was talking about 36-year-old carpenter Dennis Arnold Perry. Perry had been a suspect early in the investigation in 1988. An anonymous tipster had said that he looked like the composite of the killer. He had lived in the area until 1984 when he moved to Jonesboro, Georgia near, near Atlanta and got a job at a concrete company. Investigators at the time spoke with his boss, who said that Perry was working in Jonesboro, nearly 300 miles from Waverly, until 5 p.m. on the day of the murders. Investigators did not believe that he would have had enough time to travel to the church to commit the murders. He apparently did not have a vehicle at the time either. Also, Vanzola failed to pick him out of a photo lineup, and as a result, the original investigators cleared him. However, based on Cora's statement, Sergeant Buddy decided to look further into Perry. He located a mugshot of Perry from 1990 and showed it to both Cora and Vanzola. Both women identified him as a killer. He then determined that the woman who had previously shown Cora the picture of Perry was Camden County resident Jane Beaver. She was the mother of Perry's ex-girlfriend, Carol Ann. She was also the tipster who called the police and the telecenter, saying that he looked like the composite. She claimed that she called the sheriff's office several times with this information, but Sergeant Bundy was the first person to act on it. Uh, Jane told uh, Sergeant Bundy that two weeks before the murders, Perry told her that Harold had laughed at him when he asked to borrow money according to jane he also threatened to kill harold although he only referred to him as grandfather's black neighbor uh when interviewed by sergeant bundy carol ann claimed that perry had called her the day before the murder saying that he had ridden down from Jonesboro on the back of a motorcycle broken into his grandparents house which is near the church and was riding back the same night two of his acquaintances also stated that he had used glasses for reading that were similar to the ones found at the scene in August of 1998, Sergeant Bundy interviewed Perry at his home in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> hey, there you go. He said he was in Atlanta at the time of the murders, knew of Harold, but never met him. Would never do something like that, and did not own a handgun. However, he also mentioned that Harold had strong hand had the strong hands of a pulpwooder. Uh, Sergeant Bundy thought that that was strange, since he said that he had never met Harold. Yeah, that is that is that is pretty strange. Uh, you say you never met the guy, but then you describe exactly the type of uh, job that that he uh, worked at at some point in his life. Uh, Sergeant Bundy, you uh, said that was strange. Sheriff's office later felt there was enough information to make a case against Perry. A Camden County grand, grand jury indicted him on two counts of malice murder. On January 13th of 2000, he was arrested near his home. When questioned after his arrest, Perry maintained that he was in Jonesboro on the night of the murders. He also said that he had been at a party there the time that the murders took place. However, it was confirmed that no such party had actually occurred. According to Sergeant Bundy, after the interview ended, Perry mentioned that he could have taken a motorcycle trip down to Camden County around the time of the murders. The interview then resumed. According to investigators, Perry said he was drinking using drugs at the time of the murders. He said then uh, that he could have been in the church that night but could not remember sergeant bundy claimed that he was in the church that night he also reported that he said yes to the following inquiries whether the shooting was an accident whether the gun went off by accident and whether he would make it right if he could he when asked about a hypothetical motive he said i think someone ran out of gas and needed money however when the investigators asked where the gun used and the, the murders was located he said that they were putting words in his mouth he then recanted his earlier st- statements and ended the interview he was later offered a plea deal in which he would plead guilty to voluntary manslaughter in exchange for a 12-year sentence. He refused. In February 2003, he was tried for the murders. His defense claimed that the prosecution case was based on suggestive and tainted work by investigators, particularly Bundy, who made him the prime suspect within a week. They believed that he failed to look at other suspects. They also criticized investigators for losing physical evidence in the case and not recording Perry's alleged confession. That is nuts. Like, you didn't actually record the confession? Like, you don't actually have a recording of this supposed confession. There's no way to tell whether or not it's actually as accurate as what the investigator is saying was there in the first place. They pointed to Time being the real killer. Uh, prosecutors gave him immunity in exchange for his testimony. He maintained that he did not commit the murders. Perry's co-worker testified that they had been together until about 5 p.m. on the day of the murders. After three hours of deliberation, a jury found Perry guilty of the murders. In order to avoid the death sentence, he waived his right to appeal his conviction and was then given two consecutive life sentences. Family members agreed to this deal to avoid going through another trial in appeals court. You know what? I, I think, I think, I think Perry didn't do it. This is, this is kind of messed up in its own way. They they kind of railroaded this guy. So despite his conviction, doubts remained regarding Perry's guilt. In 2004, he wrote to the Georgia Innocent Project and asked them to look into his case. There were several things that seemed to point to his innocence. A large amount of evidence from the original investigation had been lost by the time of the trial, including the metal foam box, the vestibule mirror, tapes of witnesses' interviews, crime scene and police lineup photographs, investigator notes regarding his alibi, and the glasses found at the scene. It is believed that the glasses were lost after being sent to Unsolved Mysteries.
0: Oh, Jesus. See? That's what I'm talking about. Stack lost them. They just didn't want to call him out. Oh, my God. I thought those were my glasses. Uh, Agent
1: Gregory notes that sending the glasses there in the first place broke the chain of custody for the. Wow. Uh, interestingly, DNA testing showed that the hairs found attached to the glasses were not Perry's. An eye exam- examination determined that he had 20-20 vision and had no need for prescription to correct extreme farsightedness. However, the DNA did not match the Barentine, so his defense attorneys decided not to bring it up at trial. Uh, at the trial, prosecutors claimed that the glasses weren't relevant. During the initial investigation, Perry also had an alibi witness his boss had placed him at work that afternoon, far away from the scene. However, by the time of his arrest, the company had shut down and his employment records were not available. Carol Ann, while testifying at the trial, could not remember the date that Perry had made the phone call to her about driving to Camden County. By the time of the trial, many of the church eyewitnesses had passed away. His attorneys noticed that the eyewitnesses' descriptions of the killer were unreliable, as they only saw him briefly, Also, they may have suffered from cross race effect, which occurs when witnesses try to describe or identify suspects of a different race. All the witnesses were black and the killer is white. So, researchers have determined that individuals are less likely to remember and later recognize the face of someone who is of another race versus someone of their own race. I don't know about that.
0: If you you read any faster, you're going to be like rapping. (laughs) (laughs) This I'm is trying story that I'd to. Like to tell about these people that you Figure knew so well. See
1: how long you see how long this fucking thing is.
0: Oh I, oh, I know. I I I had already condensed the whole story like earlier in the podcast, but you wanted to keep going with it.
1: Well, because it's kind of interesting with the whole like stuff that's going no, on it, with it is. Uh, this guy. Joking. Because Perry it does. It seems like he got screwed over. Like I I don't think he did it. I have never heard of the cross race effect. That sounds pretty <laughs> oh, racist. You, oh, you haven't, you haven't heard of that? No, it sounds no, pretty I've, racist. No, I've
0: heard of it. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's when typically whenever somebody of a different race, uh, if they witness a crime, uh, they they have a hard or they'll often uh, mischaracterize how the person of the other race looks because it's harder for them to distinguish features in other races than their own, like. Mm-hmm. in a very uh i guess elementary way to put it you know they think that all people of that race look the same to a certain degree
1: okay. uh,
0: but yeah no that that is that is uh been a, been a proven uh thing that human beings do like say if a chinese person sees something happen to a black person the chinese person is gonna give them not as uh accurate of a description as if a black person saw Uh, something Mm. happened to another black person or you could insert any race in there. And yeah.
1: So core also gave descriptions of the killer that varied over time, mainly involving the length and color of his hair. Although the jury heard that the killer was described as having blonde hair, at least three witnesses said his hair was a different color. Perry's attorneys also noticed that core and Venzola's identifications of him were contaminated. They were the only witnesses who identified him as a killer. The identification took 13 place, uh, took place 13 years after the murders And after they were shown the photograph of him by Jane, also Cora, was shown the photograph of him by Sergeant Bundy in a less than ideal setting after she had fallen down and was waiting for an ambulance. Wow. Yeah, that is not the the most ideal scenario. That's for sure. Uh, Furthermore, uh, both witnesses were shown a single photograph of Perry instead of a photo lineup. Additionally, they were not asked to identify him in the courtroom at the trial. During the trial, Cora was shown a photograph of Barentine. She said that she... Thought he also looked like the killer. Furthermore, investigators did not record Perry's alleged confession, despite the fact that one of them had a tape recorder with him. Also, only one of them took notes. The notes were later destroyed after a summary of them was made. The interview was nearly three hours long. However, the summary was only two pages. Certain parts of the alleged confession were not included in the summary. Perry claimed that he never confessed. Several eyewitness interviews, including Carol Ann's, were not recorded either. In March of 2015, the Georgia Innocence Project filed a motion seeking a new trial for Perry based on advancements in DNA testing. They petitioned the court to have touch uh, DNA testing done on the following items that were found at the scene. Shirt shirt buttons that did not come from the victim's clothing, telephone wires, shell casings. DNA testing was later completed by the project, however, no usable DNA was found on the items. In 2018, the Undisclosed podcast began working with the Georgia Innocence Project in Perry's case. They found evidence that suggested that Perry's constitutional rights were violated as, at his trial. They discovered is that, another, the is that asked, another
0: podcast that, that yes. talks about unsolved mysteries. That's, I don't know. I think it talks rip, about ripped us off.
1: No, I think undisclosed. I think it talks about like not the show, but it talks about other you know because case, that's a very that's a that very
0: are, to me that that case feels very unsolved mystery specific. mm Hmm. I don't. You they know. probably.
1: I, I think they probably were doing research and found out about Perry, and then they went and and were focusing on Perry and 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 how he is innocent. They discovered that Jane had asked for a twelve thousand dollar reward the day after Perry's arrest. She later received it. However, this information was not given to the defense attorneys or the jury. Some jurors cited her testimony as playing a critical role in the in their decision. They were also told. Not told that Jane reportedly had lost touch with reality and suffered from delusions, hallucinations, and paranoia. Yeah, that's some pretty uh, significant stuff to leave out, if you ask me. <laughs> she was bribed. She uh, has lost touch with reality. Yeah, definitely the person that you want to make the focus of uh, your investigation. Well, they had the even said
0: at the end of the episode they had even said that they were going to bring more information in a later episode, and I don't know if they ever did.
1: I don't no, think they did. didn't. Yeah, because a lot of this stuff didn't have really come to light until many, many years after uh, uh, that case, and af- and and I think after Unsolved Mysteries was off the air, so you know they didn't get any of the extra stuff until a, a lot uh, later. Can we just cut so, to like
0: the cut to the last part here about like in <laughs> July 2021? <2021. laughs> they talked
1: about the. <laughs> They talked about some of these other, uh, suspects like this guy named Eric. He grew up in Georgia. He came into the investigators radar in 86 after he allegedly told his ex-wife, Emily, they committed the murders. He also threatened her family, claiming that he was responsible for killing two people in a church. He said, quote, I'm the motherfucker that killed the two N words in that church. Oh God! Her family recorded the threats and then played them for the police. The tape has since been lost. Emily said that sometime during the week of the murder, Spar left her their house in the morning wearing dark clothing and came back the next morning wearing wearing only a white t-shirt. Dark clothing matches the killer's clothing clothing description and buttons were found at the scene. She said that he often wore a pair of lizard lizard skin boots like the ones worn by the killer. Furthermore, Emily said Spar had a pair of beat up glasses he constructed using three pairs of his father's glasses. This is giving me chills actually a little bit reading this. She said... He lost them sometime before the murders. She identified the glasses found at the crime scene belonging to him. She said he worked as a welder. Uh, She also said he owned several guns and was abusive to her. She and others also claimed that he was racist and did not like black people. It was noted that he fired a shotgun at his former in-law's house and had pulled a gun or a black or Asian man, kicked out his windshield, and threatened his life. He also matched the description of the killer. Sparr claimed he was working at the Brunswick Winn-Dixie on the night of the murders. Agent Gregory obtained a number for the store and talked to Donald Mobley, who said that he was a manager. He said Sparr was working all night. As a result, he was cleared by investigators in 1986. However, as Sharp looked into the alibi, he discovered that none of the identifying details in police files about Mobley matched any person by that name. The work phone number list- listed belonged to a woman now deceased. Her daughter told Sharp that she had a phone in her back shed that someone could have used to call Agent Gregory. Sharp noted the man who managed the Winn-Dixie store at the time of the murders, David Mobley. Uh, none of the details of the police file matched him either. Uh, he said he did not remember talking to police about Spar. He had no employee at the name at the time named Donald Mobley. Agent Gregory now believes that Spar gave him a fake name and number for his manager. Uh, another ex-wife of Spar's came forward in 1998 saying that during an argument in 1988, Spar held her down on the bed with a pillow over her face. She screamed and said, don't kill me! She then was able to free herself. She brought up the murder saying, you could have killed those people in Camden County. He responded, yeah, I could have killed those people. She also said that around the time of the murders, police came to his house and acted very nervous. She further said that he was abusive, a drug user, had several firearms, had threatened that he could have someone killed and was racist. When Sharp interviewed her in 2019, uh, she added the spar had explicitly told her that he had killed the Swains. She also said that he used to change his voice and pretend to be other people over the phone. So, the Georgia Innocence Project decided to conduct DNA testing to see if the hairs found with the glasses of spars. They collected DNA from his mother, Gladys. They determined that the hairs most likely belonged to Spar. The results showed that the hairs belonged to someone from Spar's maternal line and excluded over 99% of the population. He has since claimed that he is not racist, despite multiple people who know him saying such and that he is not missing his glasses, and that he has never been to the church. He initially claimed that he never confessed to the murders, however, he later said that he did it to scare his ex-wife. Perry's attorneys took the DNA results and other evidence of Brunswick, to the DA. Uh, She refused to give consent to a new trial. Um, And... Yeah, they argued that he would likely never have been tried if the DNA results and other evidence were available... Uh, this was his attorneys in the Georgia Innocent Project filing a new trial uh, motion. Uh, in May, citing the new evidence, D.A. Johnson asked the GBI and the Camden Sheriff's Office to reopen the investigation into the murders. Then in July, J- uh, Judge Steven Scarlett overturned Perry's conviction and granted a new trial. He said that the DNA evidence, if it was available, probably would have produced a different verdict. On July 23rd, he was released from prison on his own recognizance. Interestingly, Gladys was found dead in her home a few days after Perry's conviction was overturned. Her cause of death has not been released and is not known if foul play was involved. Can you imagine this shit? Like if Perry, he, he killed the uh, 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 Harold and Thelma all those years ago, he got away with it, then investigators were on his ass, this podcaster came in and uncovered it all, and then... His mom, you know, his mom is talking. They're using mo- his mom, to tie him to the crime with his DNA, and then he just kills his fucking mother too. Can you imagine that shit?
0: No, I, I, I couldn't. I could not imagine. So, um, she was found dead,
1: uh, and then uh, he had his charges. Uh, Perry had his uh, charges dismissed, thankfully. In two thousand twenty-one, he was exonerated. Somebody. Yeah, he addressed the court saying that he hoped the real killer would be found. In April of 2022, he was awarded $1.2 million by the state for his wrongful imprisonment. The investigation into the murders remains active and ongoing, as of yet no charges have been filed against Spar or against anyone else. Um President Zola, Jane, and Emily have since passed away, so uh, they are no longer with us either. Um But they seem to be up there in age by, by the time that they were uh, featured on Unsolved Mysteries anyway so whoa what a what a case what an update um jesus
0: christ that was i i i i'm not gonna lie i checked out like halfway into that and was playing candy crush so
1: i didn't i thought it was i thought it was pretty damn compelling to be honest all the extra sort of layers and all the extra stuff that came out from you know the investigation by the podcaster and other people you know along down uh years later um Big congrats, you know, goes to the, the podcaster and you know the other people uh, that were working on the case um, and uncovered all of that. I think it's a done deal. I think Spar is the killer. I, I I don't know why they aren't charging any file uh, and, and they aren't filing any charges against him. To me, it's fucking
0: obvious. <laughs> but you know,
1: is at least the the guy, the, it, the guy, the guy who, who
0: used the n word. Yeah, spar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He totally did it.
1: Yeah. Cause they, 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 there was just all this other thing, like the DNA that matched uh, his, uh, I think it was his, what was his daughter or one of his wives talking about how he had the, the glasses like that and he was racist and all this other stuff. And he matched the description. He had the same boots. So. Uh, it's unfortunate that he's not going to actually uh, be tried and not serve uh, time for what what in my opinion he did. but it, it's at least I, I at least feel better that the, the that you don't have an innocent man who's like stuck behind bars still on top of all of this. Uh, so you don't have like a tragedy still stacked on top of another tragedy yeah
0: so that, I agree <laughs> <laughs> yeah' like yeah Josh, I'm sure you care so much um no i i uh I don't know
1: there's enough here with like the update you could have had like a whole other segment,
0: yeah, I, I know, and uh, for that very reason um I, I don't I think we should just limit it to this segment uh for and that's three- fine,
1: yeah that's fine'cause I, I, there's there's just a lot.
0: I haven't even eaten yet, and I got my gig in, like, a few hours, so... <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna save the uh, haul segment for uh, next week. Um, but, yeah, no, that was... Fuck. God, I didn't... I, I, I did not know that that was going to have so much extra – I thought I thought surely this is going to be a pretty short Wikia because this – Like you
1: even a, said that, like it's going to be a short podcast. Yeah, at the beginning and well, then Well, technically it is. It is a short shorter podcast because we're only covering one case. Yeah, but if we
0: covered right. the whole case, then it would easily hit the, yeah. the, the two-hour mark probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, that's cool. Anyway, that's the end of the uh, show. If you want to uh, go to that group that we mentioned earlier, you just go to Facebook.com, go to the Groups tab, type in Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. We should pop up. Um, oh, interesting little tidbit. Uh, we have someone from Inside Edition contacting us, Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, she's a uh, researcher for Inside Edition, and I looked up her credentials that she sent, and she is legit. Um, okay and all right she, she is uh wanting essentially uh because we had talked about a uh let me see here it's in my in her fucking email went to my junk folder it's like gee thanks yahoo you're really <laughs> on, you're really on top of things sending an inside edition uh researcher to my to my junk folder appreciate that <laughs> She says, uh, Good morning, Josh. I'm a story coordinator for Inside Edition, the national news program. We're working on a report for today's show about James per- Perillo's criminal past in the wake of his most recent alleged year long abduction of a woman who made her okay. escape at a New Jersey gas station. One yeah. of his aliases is Tony DiCampo, and I came across the fact that he was featured in an Unsolved Mysteries episode on November 1st, 1996. Uh, season nine, episode five. I was listening to you and Mike's episode two hundred and thirty-one podcast, where you both discuss what happened in his case. As you mentioned, it's near impossible to find the segment online. But I was wondering where you both did view the segment, and if it's possible to oh. either send me the clip or oh. record it on your phone and send it to me. If there's any way I could view it, I would appreciate it so much. Uh, she gives me her cell phone number and whatever. <laughs> So uh, um, she's she's wanting one of our secret files. Okay, and I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to piss off Inside Edition. I want to make them happy because maybe they'll uh, shout out. Maybe they'll do. Uh, they usually, if if they feature something from like someone's mm-hmm. podcast, they'll just have the person's podcast in like the bottom left hand of the screen in like the tiniest font, like ever. Yeah maybe maybe they'll do that uh, if we uh, give them the clip well but i yeah, mean I, she's a part of our group now probably have it somewhere yeah i i mean I'm, i have to look look it up and then i i don't know
1: like there's also uh, an update i remember somebody shared this on the group uh you know about Miscavige.
0: yeah yeah i saw that uh yeah he's Uh, The the Danny Masterson trial is really heating up and it's getting way worse for Danny Masterson. And the whole anytime anything uh, brings Scientology into the courtroom, um, Scientology stops at nothing to keep its fearless leader out of out of being deposed. To where he well, has, now so. they can't.
1: Like he has to, he has to come forward. Like there, there's, he has no option. He has 21 yeah. days to respond to allegations uh, from a human trafficking case. By, yeah, they've they been residents. trying to,
0: they've been trying to serve him for the longest time, but but he keeps disappearing because he knows that's what's going down. And uh-huh. uh, if he does testify in court, this will be, I want to say, the first time David Miscavige, the leader of the church of scientology will have ever done that Mm -hmm. and that could really fuck the church up because if you lie under your sworn testimony that is that is i believe it's a felony isn't it yeah yeah and he'd have to do a lot of lying for the questions that uh when he gets cross examined or whatever, he's gonna he's gonna have to be doing a well, lot of Well I think it would
1: be a felony anyway if he doesn't show up. Like it, he has twenty one days. Like if he does not show up then you know, he's you know, already David, broken the law.
0: You know David Miscavige is only like five foot three. So Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise taller than he is? <laughs> yeah, like slightly I think. He's a little guy. Yeah. And if you watch Going Clear and you listen to, like, all the... He definitely abe- has
1: a Napoleon complex, that's for oh, sure. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, all the all the times that Dave Miscavige would grab people by their shirt. I mean, he must have been grabbing them and dragging them down to the ground to meet his <laughs> eye level. Yes. Yeah. And I get that you can still be intimidating if you're short, but, like... Unless he's wearing lifts. <laughs> you know, he's got to have some, kinda, some <laughs> kind of... Some kind of, a platform in his shoes i'm just
1: imagining i'm also imagining okay he's got platform shoes he's got lifts but then like every time he walks on the podium like you know behind the podium there's also like a step you know there's like something you can step onto that makes him even taller (laughs) and and, and imposing
0: it's probably probably like a miniature platform that slowly raises him so it doesn't look (laughs) so people don't see him (laughs) taking a step yeah, and, and, and so they don't realize that, like, as he's talking, he's just getting slightly taller every every few seconds. Uh, but yeah, he's a he's a, he's a little guy. I don't know. I mean, again, to the, I'm just
1: imagining the mechanism malfunctioning one time, <laughs> he's just rising up and down.
0: <laughs> oh, I just I just dropped to my knees because Elron Hubbard just gave me a message, and it was so profound I couldn't stand anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah, so anyway, uh, join the group. The Inside Edition lady is in our group now. So, uh, so
1: I think David Miscavige, he's like fucking Lord Helmet from Spaceballs. You just put your head your hand on his head, and he's just swinging at you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much, and like 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 uh, Marty Rathbun. Uh, I think he's like six, like two or six. He's a big guy. Him and Mike Rinder, and mm-hmm. so. I don't know how in the hell he these these two dudes allowed David Miscavige to, like, punch him in the face. I mean, I guess if the whole organization will turn on you if you, like, deck their fearless leader, that's probably a psychological... Did
1: Miscavige have to, like, do, like, a, a, a hop? Did he have to, like, hop, like, jump yeah, in no, the air? Yeah, he had to, like, jump,
0: do a jump punch or just like a Hadouken <laughs> or whatever it's called. Not the Hadouken, the uh, Shadouken. <laughs> Just the jumped. fucking Ryu from Street Fighter just shuriken and hit, just get, he'd knock him <laughs> in the this? jaw. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, what else? Oh, if you want to join our Patreon, it's patreon.com/uncoveringunexplainedmysteries. Um, if you give us money, uh, we will talk about whatever you want us to talk about, as long as it's like a single thing and not a whole ass series. Heidi, uh, I love you. Um, uh. What was the show she had us watch? The the the, the nuns, the nunnery murders. <laughs> the, the nunnery the, the apprentice the 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 nun killer nun <laughs> priest, The Keepers. The keepers. Ah I knew it was something like with a watchtower or something. Um <laughs> I don't know how keepers has anything to do with a watchtower. Jeez, I am just I'm I'm on something today. And it's not Jesus. Um And then sometimes you get the podcast early, depending on when I'm able to get the fucking thing out. And sometimes we record a whole ass podcast and only Mike's audio records and Josh's doesn't. (laughs) And so we then we have to record the same ass podcast Uh again. And if that happens. Sometimes
1: we and sometimes we pick cases that we don't find out that we've already covered until
0: last Dude, minute. Dude, honestly, so. at this point, I don't think anyone would give a shit if we, like, forgot no. and we cut, just <laughs> talked about it again. Because we'd probably say, like, different shit. I know my brain was a lot different back in whenever the fuck than it is now. It's a lot dumber now, so. um, And then, finally, uh if you want more of me and Mike, if you just can't get enough of us, but you want us on a more individual basis, say you're more of a Mike fan and you like his analytical um his uh, like train on a track that can't be stopped once he starts talking he can't stop kind of mind then you'll want to go over to youtube.com slash ocp communications and watch his videos because i'm not in them it's youtube.com slash ocp communications he's a movie guy mike what was the last movie or video you did
1: so last video I did is a rant on uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Uh, I also did an epic rant on Clerks 3, which is the worst film I saw last year. I like Fucking how on, on Facebook you, you,
0: you said something like, because I was like, oh, I didn't like Clerks 2. And you're like, Josh, if you didn't like Clerks 2, stay the fuck away from Clerks 3. It's, <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, it's horrible. It is.
1: It's terrible. It's like a two hour long funeral for, you know, the Clerks franchise.
0: I mean, um, so really, I reviewed
1: but, all three clerks films, I reviewed the 2 Jane and Bob movies, so if that sounds like something interesting to you, check that out. And he's been making um, videos
0: Mike's been making videos for like 15 years. So if you want to like go back <laughs> in his catalog like yeah. whatever movie you like, he, he probably talked about it at some point. <laughs> I did a review. There are on.
1: some that I have. There's some that I haven't. But you know,
0: there's one I watched today.
1: It was actually a request from somebody. It's called With Honors with Joe Pesci and Brendan Fraser. It's a '90s drama, and it it got raked over the coals by critics. They called it cliche. They called it all of this. And I thought it was actually pretty good. I thought it. I thought it had some good performances. And it actually legitimately made me cry. So you know, when a film touches you like that, I think you know there's something there a lot yeah, more I mean, than what yeah mike, and mike's gave also it.
0: mike's also the kind of guy to where if you're in the group or whatever and you want to ask him hey mike uh i don't know what what's what's a good movie that um uh david arquette's been in and mike will <laughs> yeah. be able to mike will be able to rattle off like uh one uh, a good movie he's been in cuz uh, he's I mean, he's he just knows these actors scream? and they're... see <laughs> see there like you ask me that question. You can't kill David
1: Gar- Arquette, that one. See there?
0: He's a what he's he's the human IMDB. Because
1: it's a documentary that David Arquette did, because he you know he did the wrestling thing in a WCW, which is like yeah. considered like this horrible thing. But then he went back to wrestling and in indie uh wrestling uh federations and stuff like that a years later, and there's a whole documentary about it, and it's actually pretty good.
0: See there? Uh, all right, so that's Mike's channel. My channel is um, is music based. It's commentary. I do commentary on things. Sometimes it's drama. I'll talk about some drama in the music world. Um, I'll talk. I'll do. I don't album know if this reviews. is technically
1: music related, but I see a lot of music celebrities doing this. Have you been seeing these photos of these like music celebs? Uh, and musicians like wearing these like oversized shoes.
0: I saw Kanye do it. Yeah. I think.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's up but there any- with that stupid trend of like the massive giant hats.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, my channel is uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. YouTube.com slash dancing with ghosts. That's also where you can find my music. The last video I did was I did a album ranking of all of Nine Inch Nails' studio albums, um, from S to Satisfactory all the way down to D for, you know, mm-hmm. not good. None of their albums uh, made the D category, but yeah. a lot of their 2000s C. and beyond were definitely in the C tier because they were very yeah. average and, and mid, as the kids say what did um, you think about the the Lincoln Park single lost I think it's a fine song for uh, the Lincoln Park sound it definitely yeah. sounds like vintage Lincoln Park I feel it like, does I feel like a lot of hardcore Lincoln Park fans should feel really happy about it because it's like wow here's this song like because arguably most Lincoln Park fans, or maybe Mm -hmm. half, would say their first two albums, Hybrid Theory and Meteor, were the best. Uh, That was the best period for Linkin Park. And to get a song from a period that is considered the best period for a band, uh, I'm sure a lot of hardcore fans would really be interested in something like Yeah, and it's really
1: special, too, that they were able to find this, and it's not and put it together in such a way. I think they did use some AI, if I remember correctly. I remember reading something like that.
0: Well but, apparently it was a completed song yeah. but the, it just sounded too similar to another yeah. song that they had marked uh-huh. as the single so they they just left it off the album but yeah. I mean it's like goddamn if that's what your b-sides sound like then you yeah. you uh <laughs> it's like you're 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 uh, cutting muscle you're not cutting fat at that point you're cutting muscle Definitely. off the album because like that is not a slouch of a song at all that I could no. easily see that being a single um there's yeah. there's there's a few bands out there that have really good b-sides that and they, and a
1: lot of the time when you find a lost unearthed track from like a band it's not nearly always this good
0: yeah you know I remember a similar thing happened but probably on a grander scale I was in like seventh or eighth grade and um they unearthed a Nirvana song you know you're right and it had mm-hmm. literally been in the vault due to a uh, legal battle between Courtney Love and the surviving members of Nirvana, Dave Grohl and Mm -hmm. Chris Novoselic. And it it finally got settled in, like, 2002. So, you know, Kurt Cobain had been dead for eight years, and now all of a sudden we get this new Nirvana song. And it kind of blew everyone's minds. And Mm -hmm. it was good. It was a pretty good song. Um, it, It wasn't it wasn't like smells like teen spirit part two but it was it was good uh-huh. so it was yeah. kind of the same it's weird when when that happens you know like it is they have this it's it's almost and the like the lincoln
1: park the music video also had you know the animated version of you know the of, of chester you know he had all that going on and that was just really
0: he sings so good on that song like his voice sounds yeah. so pure in the verses yes. and then he turns on the screaming bits for the chorus mm-hmm. and it's just like man that like guy I, I was never a big lincoln and park that fan.
1: song with the lyrics because it's like the you know the last you know true lincoln park song that they unearthed you apparently know, there's the another one
0: too there's another one Mm-hmm. okay yeah, it's, it's being released like march 3rd or something
1: we'll see how that one is but i pretty i pretty i, I doubt it's gonna be able to top this because if you just think about like the the lyrics and everything like just the title lost and you just it it, it just feels like he's speaking to you from beyond the grave it's kind of eerie well i mean
0: if you go back and listen to like any of his like because i thought back in the day like i didn't like lincoln park because i thought i mm-hmm. felt like they were super pandering to. Te- i thought they were pandering to teenagers who were sad. to be honest
1: I remember them more for their songs from the Transformers movies, because that's, you know, what I remember when
0: I was oh a you know, of, kid. Of course, Mike the Movie Guy knows their song. <laughs> So, But I'm not us, the
1: only one. There's a lot of there's a lot of people, you know, a lot of people my age that, you know, they remember them from the album, but there's other yeah, people, well, like my like, first introduction was, you know, Transformers, you know.
0: Well, that's that like people my age knowing Phil Collins from the Tarzan soundtrack, and I'm just like, uh. Uh, he was an amazing <laughs> drummer in Genesis. Fuck you. But, uh... Yeah, I just thought their lyrics were really pandering, and I was like, this is clearly just, like, they're, they're trying to market towards, like, my age group, and I don't mm-hmm. like that. It doesn't feel authentic to me. But then when he mm-hmm. kill, killed himself, I look back at all the song lyrics, and I'm just like, dude, these were, like, he was, like, writing out his inner demons for us yeah. all to see. Yeah. And I guess in my mind, I just figured, well, you're a famous rock star. You can't have any mental problems. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, which was obviously the stupidest, naive thought you could have. But I'm I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, he's talking about, oh, I'm breaking the habit tonight and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. I mean, that that song's clearly about addiction or addictive behavior. And um, and he struggled with all of that shit, with alcohol and all that. And as someone who drinks more than I should nowadays, like, yeah, I can... Now that I'm actually going through problems, I can relate to a lot of those lyrics. I guess as a kid, I just... I don't know my problems weren't weren't uh I did I I wasn't able you to, detailed
1: like, them a lot in the Josh Flower diaries yeah but, you know. I
0: just I I, <laughs> I related to things in a different way when I was a teenager and I almost like related to things as an adult when I was a teen but now that I'm an adult I relate to things as a teen I don't know it's weird because <laughs> like I'll I'll hear like song lyrics and they'll like really like you know affect me and like, get, yeah. Like, there's this jelly roll I think that's pa-
1: I think that's part of why they, you know, that movie with honors like touched me. You know, made me cry. It's got to just thought about because it does a good job in terms of like putting life in perspective, and it just making you think about things. You know, the good times. You know, a couple was. You know, maybe some of the bad times. But then just making you put putting a lot of it in perspective and realizing, you know, it could be a hell of a lot worse. You know because it, it deals with you know the the specter of homelessness and it's yeah. a really rough thing despite joe pesci doing funny you know weird things or whatever like his character there's a, a a deeply tragic side to his character in that film you know he he worked as a uh, as a guy who worked he worked in an asbestos plant you know he worked wasn't really a plant, but he was working as a, in the shipyards and he was exposed to massive amounts of asbestos to the point where it's just slowly killing him. Damn. And yeah, this is kind of something that puts it into perspective. You're like, you know, my life kind, you know, could be better, but I'm not slowly suffocating to death.
0: Yeah. Well, I've been listening to Art, the stand-up comedian Artie Lang. I've been listening to his audio book yeah. again, yeah. this, like the third time called yeah. Crash and Burn. And, man, he's just talking about, like, all these drugs that he's constantly having to do just to feel normal, not even to feel Mm. good anymore. Like, he's talking about his debilitating withdrawals and how, like, you know, all he had the energy to do was to get on the Stern show or go on stage. But then instantly after that, he'd just go to his blacked out hotel room and just snort, you know, lines of heroin just to just to make the withdraws go and i'm like I'm he like, wasn't no. the
1: only one like there were a lot of other comedians you know before him that well, he just, he just details it
0: in his in, in his book he just details it so vividly yeah. that it's like yeah god i might have a little bit of a drinking problem but i am nowhere like mm-hmm. <laughs> nowhere near this motherfucker like i haven't even no. done drugs ever so you know yeah anyway All right. Well, I've got to get something to eat, and I'd love to play (laughs) a little bit of my video game before I got to go to my fucking gig. So, uh, what
1: game is it?
0: It is called Fist uh, Forged in uh, Shadow uh, something. It's a acronym or something. But you play as this badass rabbit with this um, like bionic fist on your back, and you uh, just—it's like a 2D. It's like bionic,
1: bionic commando, but furry version.
0: <laughs> I mean, kinda, but you can't really like repel or anything. You
1: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a yeah. grappling hook. Um, uh-huh. but yeah,
0: it's 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 a two D uh side scroller kind of Metroidvania style game, which okay. I, I I love those type of games. Um, you're more into
1: that than you know Hogwarts Legacy, you know that kind of thing.
0: I all I know about that game is it's kinda like kind of like this open world Grand Theft Auto esque kind of thing
1: i know more about the controversy associated with that game i mean than the game itself
0: at this point (laughs) yeah i was told about the um the the controversy or whatever but then someone told me about the gameplay because i was like what what is this game actually like like what is it what do you do and Uh they explained it to me and i'm just like oh okay well i I know honestly i never really all as much fucking time as I put into playing Grand Theft Auto 3 and Grand Theft Auto Vice City on PlayStation 2 back in the day, I just for whatever reason just fell out of love with that series and I just couldn't give mm-hmm. a fuck about Grand Theft Auto 4.
1: Or or those kind of games, like the open world stuff.
0: I see, I like open world games though. Like I love the Far Cry games, I love like Spider-Man uh mm-hmm. zelda breath of the wild i love that it's just something about the the control style like how it can how the character feels in my in my hand when i'm like you know using the controller to move them around this Or maybe feel... you're just
1: not into you're not into harry potter either that might be i don't know i'm not tr-
0: I, yeah oh well i mean I, yeah i'm totally not into harry potter so it would all the references would be missed on me i, I you know i know there's a guy Whose name sounds like Dildo. Um, Wait, that's Lord of the Rings. Never mind. Yeah, see, I don't care about that one either, so. I'm never going to get a a fucking nerdy girlfriend. Bilbo? Yeah. Come on. You know, come on, Tolkien. What the fuck? I'm sure Dildo wasn't a
1: a thing back then, probably. I'm sure it
0: was. I'm sure you had to use a a hand crank back then when you. I'm sure it still existed.
1: It would have been made out of wood. Oh yeah, absolutely. Gotta make sure, make sure you don't get any splinters. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Reminds me of the the Roswell segment on Unsolved Mysteries, where uh, Mac Brazel is showing off the debris to the neighbors and the old ladies. Like, uh, we would have called it plastic, but but heck, plastic didn't exist back then. It's just like Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, primitive ass times not even like 60 70 years ago mm-hmm. when there wasn't a three mile uh, spiral of garbage <laughs> in the middle of the ocean of just plastic killing everything
1: yeah we're getting closer to that futurama episode where they have the giant trash ball that they have to throw into space
0: I'm just gonna I mean, go out it and turns say. into an asteroid. I'm just gonna go out and say uh, I was funnier on this podcast than I've been on like the last probably ten podcasts. <laughs> I just for some reason I I was more on this time and I just I just feel like I was funnier. So if you if if you out there listening don't agree, then go fuck yourself. Because I was fucking <laughs> hilarious on this one. I re- I really was. I I really really was. <laughs> Oh, yeah. (laughs) Just fingering my belly button right now. All right. That got weird. Uh, Plugged everything. I'm going to go get some Taco Bell. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
1: See ya.